Please be seated. So have you ever received attention for the wrong reason? Okay. So like when you get a ticket, like if you're driving, you drive too fast and a policeman pulls you over. Not that I would understand this. I've heard (laughs) that every person that drives by looks at you when the policeman is there with the lights. Right? Every, I mean, every, and I, I'm thinking, they think I robbed a bank, you know? So, so you're in the center of, you have all of this attention heaped on you, and it's like, oh, what a horrible thing. I remember in high school when I was playing football, I was the punter on the team, and we were playing our crosstown rivals, and uh, we couldn't stand our crosstown rivals, and they couldn't stand us, and, and so uh, I, I went back to punt, and the punt went off the side of my foot, and it went three yards, Okay. If you don't, I, I, I average just over 40 yards on a punt and three yards. That game, other than that kick, I had an amazing game, sacked the quarterback twice, recovered a fumble, and the paper the next day, the only thing they said about me, the three-yard punt. All right? Attention for the wrong reason. But if you had the opposite happen where you do something good and nobody notices and it's frustrating, like when you put a tip in the tip jar and nobody sees you do it, and I, I want you to see this so you don't spit in my food, right? And they, but they don't notice, right? And it's like, ah! Well, so we've been talking about how would Jesus live my life? If, if he were me living in, in 2018, and he were the pastor of this church, how would he live my life? And to look at your life, and, and whatever your career is, or whatever you, you do, how would Jesus be a spouse in my marriage? How would Jesus interact with my grandkids if I have grandkids? How, how would Jesus do my career, whatever it is? How would Jesus live my life if he were me today? You see, sometimes we ask the question, what would Jesus do? But the problem is we, we focus on the reality that Jesus' call in life was to save the world. And not one of us in this room was called to save the world. That was his gig. And so we need not just ask, what would Jesus do? But what would Jesus do if he had my situation? And so we've been talking about that for multiple weeks, and we have multiple weeks left. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've been, been talking about different ways that Jesus taught how we should live when we're rightly connected to him. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Jay's already read it once, but let's read it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It's on page 970 if we're using the Pew Bible. Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching. He's been talking about when you come into my kingdom and you are rightly connected to me, this is the life you can live, and ultimately the life you should live as I transform you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there's a lot here, but I want to focus on a couple of things this morning. And the first one is this. Uh, Well, we'll start with this. 
Jesus said, when you give to the needy. Right? He didn't say if. He said when. And so I think it's important to point out when you look at all of Jesus' teachings and everything that he taught, if you go to Matthew 25, there's a big section on that, that we are, as followers of Jesus, it's going to be normal for us to give to those who have need. It's going to be a normal practice. We, we are going to love people in such a way that we can't help but do that. All right? So he says when. So, so it's going to be a part of who we are. It's going to be a part of what we do. But then what should it look like? All right? And the first thing that I think we need to see is this, is that when we give to the needy, when we give to someone who has need, when we intervene in their lives and bring the love of Jesus to them by giving them something, we need to do it for an audience of one, for God alone. It needs to be about him. See, Jesus uses as an illustration the religious leaders and what they would do. And so I want to go through this kind of my own interpretation of what, what happened. Okay, so verse 2, he said, When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So, I'm, I'm trying to give the religious leaders the benefit of the doubt. My guess is, is that Sam and Joe were talking one day, and Sam said, you know, I just gave Jim Bob some money to help him out. And Joe said, you know, I gave him some too. And they came together and said, you know what, we're not being good stewards of our money, so we need, to, we need to figure out a way to help people and not have them double dip on us, right? So let's figure out a way where we can be good stewards of God's resources, and, and let's come together and, and let's do this the right way. And, and I really try to believe that you know, there was no welfare system, there was no social security, there was no way the community was going to step in as a government. It, it was something that the people would have to do. And, and I like to think that they said, you know, let's do what is right, but let's do it in a way where we're good stewards and we honor God. So let's just have a day on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm making that up, don't write a religious paper on it, where people come together and we give them money and so we can all make sure that everybody gets ministered to, but we don't everybody give the same person with missing someone. I like to think that that's what happened. Well, what happened eventually, and again, this is Doug's version of the story, but I can see how easily it would have happened, that people began to be impressed. Hey, the religious leaders, they're taking care of everybody. And the religious leaders said, hey, this feels good, Right? So they said, you know what? Let's make a big deal out of it. Let's blow trumpets. Let everybody know. It's time for the needy to get their stuff. And so people will come and watch and we'll pass out stuff to the needy and, and people will look at us and just be so impressed with who we are until eventually it snowballed into that's what it really became about. Now let's be honest for just a second. It feels good when people are impressed with our generosity. Come on. It feels good when people say, man, that's really a nice person. And we sit there and think, my mother was right. I'm a wonderful person. Because <laughs> it feels good. And so all of a sudden this blows up and, and all of a sudden the tension is being drawn to the people who are giving. And I think Jesus is making it clear, listen, when you help others, and you're going to help others because that's what my followers do, 
You're doing it for one reason. For an audience of one. It's not even about the people you're helping being impressed. It's not about others watching you and being impressed. It's about God being impressed. It's about the Father being impressed. You know, we live in a, we live in a culture when tragedy strikes that those who lead us make sure they go to the tragedy and are filmed being there. All right? I'm attacking both parties, so don't hear me say. But it's all about the show. But they have to go. I know the way our culture is set up. They have to go or they'll be criticized, and, and they're going to be criticized anyway because they're going to go the wrong way. I, I, I get all that, but, but it, they have to go and be seen on TV helping somebody. And I'm afraid sometimes as followers of Jesus, we get caught in that trap. Jesus went to a banquet to a Pharisee's house. We don't know which Pharisee it was. It doesn't tell us over in Luke 14. Uh, we'll just call him Jim Bob. So Jesus went to Jim Bob's house for a banquet, and all of these important people were here. And Jesus starts teaching, right? And he heals a man there, and it's on the Sabbath, and they get all upset with it. But, but towards the end, he says, Jim Bob, let me tell you something. Again, Jim Bob wasn't really his name. I'm making that up, so just want to clarify. So Jim Bob, let, let me tell you something. When you throw a banquet like this, you don't need to invite your family and friends you don't need to bite your rich neighbors. That's what Jesus' words were. He said, because they're going to feel obligated to have you over for dinner. They're going to, you're going to expect to get something back. He said, really, who you should invite to this banquet are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the dumb, the ones who can't speak. Because they will not have the ability to repay you. And you know, that's the model Jesus set for us. So we go in and we help people expecting absolutely nothing in return. Expecting no one to be impressed with us. Expecting no one to be over-energized by how awesome we are. Expecting no one to, to hold us up on a pedestal. But just because it's what the Father wants us to do. An audience of one. We help others for His glory, for His honor, so that they can see His love. Right? And so we need to check our motives when we give. Why am I doing this? Am I making sure somebody's around? Am I making sure this person's, you know, and, and I'll be honest, when I let somebody in in traffic and they don't give me the thank you wave, it really bothers me. All right? It shouldn't, but it does. And sometimes we go through life with this reality. When I help someone, I want someone to be impressed. But that's not how Jesus lived, and that's how he called us not to live, right? And, and so that, that's real key, real key. When we give, it needs to be about God and God alone in our relationship with him. That's where Jesus starts. But then Jesus says something else, and, and it can almost be a little confusing. He goes on, he says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who, give, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, have you ever thought about what that means? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Now, in my simple mind, I'm thinking, okay, my left hand behind my back, and I tell my right hand, look, righty, here's what we're going to do. Don't let lefty know. All right? We're going to do this good thing. Now, my brain's not big enough to process that. For somehow, my left hand always knows what my right hand is doing and is always impressed that the right hand does it better. 
I mean, that's just the way my little brain works. And so there's no way. So, so I look at that and say, what, what in the world is, is Jesus saying? What, what is he trying to get across here that don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing? And I think what he's really teaching is a character thing. He's teaching that, you know what? You shouldn't even think about it. It shouldn't even be a thought as to who's watching. Because we, we have to be honest and we say there are times when we help people, other people are going to see it. All right? Can you imagine pulling over, helping an elderly person change a flat tire? Oh, I've got to put my ski mask on and cover my head so nobody knows it's me. But that's not the way it works. You know, you, you're going to help and somebody's going to see you do it. Jesus himself, he helped a lot of people and a lot of people saw it. Right? He would heal people, and, and a whole bunch of people would see it. And In fact, that one time he was walking through the crowd to go to Jairus' house, and, and the woman touched his, his outer garment and was healed, and he stopped and said, Oh, stop the parade. Somebody touch me. And he brought her out and told her her faith had made her well. And so, so it's not wrong to be seen helping. I don't understand what Jesus is saying, but it's wrong to be driven by being seen. Does that make sense? And so the, Jesus is saying, let your character be such that when you help someone, you're not even processing who's looking. You're not even thinking about what's going on. You, you're not even focused on how many people saw me do this, how many people were impressed with me. You're, you're not even connecting the dots with that. Because giving and caring for people is such a normal part of your character as a follower of Jesus. That you don't even process the idea that somebody's watching because it doesn't matter. Now, if we're honest, I think a lot of us have a long way to go in our character in that, right? But the truth is, it doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God thinks. And that's, that's Jesus' point. That's what he's, what he's getting to. So, I mentioned playing high school football in Texas. I don't know if you know this, but, but high school football in Texas is king. There's nearly no other way to say it. And in fact, the Sooners come and get all of our good players so they'll play for Oklahoma. And so, those of you who don't know that story, don't worry about it. All right. So, anyway, so, so, but it's a big deal. So, so you can understand, uh, when I played high school football, the facilities that I played in were nicer than the ones I played in in college. Okay? The crowds I played for in high school were way bigger than the ones I played in college. It's not true of the big schools, but for, for many. So when I played a home game in high school, I would play between in front of fifteen to 20,000 people. That was normal. All right? And, and so when we got to the playoffs, uh, we would play at Texas Stadium. It's not there anymore where the Cowboys used to play. There would be thirty-five to 40,000 people there. All right? So process a 17, 16, 17, 18-year-old in that setting, all right? It's a big deal. You know, it's, it's impressive, and you, you're excited about that. But, but here's what has always amazed me about that looking back. I remember one time we were playing Dallas Carter at Texas Stadium, bless you. We were playing Dallas Carter at Texas Stadium, 40,000 people there, all right? 39,800 of them, I had no idea who they were, all right? But you have 80,000 eyes watching you. And for the first three plays, that was a big deal. But after that, after all the hitting and the hurting and all of that, it was like, you forgot there were people there. You don't even think about it. Now, you watch the guys today, 
They know they're entertainers, and they're going to dance and do goofy stuff because they know that's how they make their money. But in high school football in Texas and in most sports, you forget that the audience is there. You don't care because you want to win. You want to play. And I think that idea is really what Jesus is saying. You need to be so focused on who I want you to be and what I want you to do that you don't even notice the audience. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's a character reality. It's a reality that says you're doing what you're supposed to do because that's what you're supposed to do. And you're doing it for the right reason. You're not trying to impress people. You're not trying to win people over to your side of the argument or whatever it is. You, you are doing this because this is what we do in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We help people. And when you're rightly connected to me, this is who you can become. Someone who is not consumed with the idea that someone else is going to be impressed with me. Someone not consumed with the idea that people are going to see me and take my picture and, and put it on Facebook and they're going to write an article about me in the paper and all that. No. This is what I'm supposed to do. Now, I will say that I think there are situations and things that we can do to make sure that they are private interactions. Um, and, and, but, and, and we need to do that whenever we can. But in those times when we can't, it's not about the people who watch. It's about pleasing God and the pe person we're helping. And that needs to be the center focus, of, the focus of, of what, what we do when we help others. Right? And so we, we go from that situation, we, we help someone, we see their need, we uh, work with them, we do whatever we can to help, and we walk away expecting absolutely nothing in return. Yesterday, we did, uh, worked with Feeding Northeast Florida here, and, and uh, I, what I did is help people get their stuff to the car. One of, one of the ladies who I helped was, a, was an elderly lady, and um, I helped her get her stuff to the car and put it in, and she looked at me and said, my grandkids are going to be so happy that we're going to have food for Thanksgiving. I was like, wow. I've never experienced that. I've never worried I mean, Thanksgiving, it's, you know, the biggest worry is it pecan or, or pumpkin pie. You know? She's like, my grandkids are going to have to eat Thanksgiving because you did this. And I walked away knowing she would never be a part of our congregation. She lives in a different part of town. She has her own church. We talked about that. Um, but it really wasn't about, it was about helping I walked away, I was like, you know, amazingly, I'm preaching on this tomorrow, and this is what God, this is what Jesus was telling us. You help knowing you're going to get nothing back, and that's okay, because it's about pleasing him, and it's about helping people and showing them his love. All right? So, as we've gone through this process, and we've talked about the different areas where uh, Jesus is calling us to a deeper life and a, and a better life in him. Um, we've talked about the vim, all right? Um, the vision, the intention, and the means. The vision, when we look at this, is, is to see people, first of all, the way God sees them, to have compassionate hearts that want to give, and to have hearts that want to give because it brings honor to the king. 
That's the vision. That we want to live in this world and we want to see people in need. We want to notice them. We want to meet their needs as best we can. And it's all for the glory of the king. That's the vision of who Jesus has called us to be. And I believe that we can become because he's called us to that. The eye is the intention. And I think this is a big hurdle in this one. Uh, because just like the religious leaders, I think when people are impressed with how much we give or, or how generous we are, it, it can be addictive. It can be like, yeah, man, that felt good for them to be impressed with me. I'm going to give some more. But to get to the point where we have the intention of, you know what? I really want to be this person. I really want to give and have nothing at stake in it other than honoring my king. And you know, sometimes when it gets to the intention, we have to stop and we have to pray and say, Lord, I'm really struggling with this. Please give me the right intention. Please give me the desire to live out the vision you've given us. And then the means. It always begins the same way. That we are so connected to our king that we can't help but live the way he's called us to live. A life full of prayer, a life full of scripture study, a life full of growth in him. And when we are rightly connected to Jesus, I promise you, you can't help but have compassion for people in their needs. You just can't. Because when his spirit is in us, that's who we are. That's a natural result. And so the means is, is complete dependence on him. And then maybe practicing a little. I'm going to help someone, and I don't want anybody to know about it. I want to help someone who cannot give me anything back. And practice. And then you come to believe the last line of what Jesus said. He said this, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You see, when we talk about things like this, we, we have to ask ourselves, do I really believe what the Bible teaches? Do I really believe what I've been teaching? That this whole journey is about something much bigger than me. That it's about my king, and that one day I may not get any rewards for helping someone right now, but one day my king will make it right. He'll make it right. And if he says to me, Doug, well done, good and faithful servant, that's enough. Those will be the greatest words I've ever heard. So I want to challenge you as I challenge me. Be open to see the people in need and pursue them and help them for the right reasons to honor the king. Let's pray. 